Welcome to the Oracle. This is a podcast where you will hear innovative and curious minds. Together, we will explore what makes a difference in cities, homes, and for the planet at large. The Oracle is produced by Monk Studios in collaboration with IKEA. Josie Stoker is a green tech entrepreneur who wants to empower people to turn eco-anxiety into eco-action. In this episode of The Oracle, she tells us about finding the right technology for everyday people in their ambition to understand CO2 emissions and make sustainable choices. It's the year 2030. I visit our local store and select food for our meals this week. And when making the selections, I turn the products over in my hands to take a quick glance at the ingredients, at the sugar and the salt contents, but also at the amount of CO2 and water used in the manufacturing process. Whoever thought that making sustainable choices could be as easy as making healthier choices, all thanks to data. On my walk home in the chilly winter weather, I tap my mobile to let our house know to warm up a little, and I'm able to see the percentages of renewable energy in the grid that day. I know how much energy our different devices are using. Sitting back in my cozy home office, I receive a weekly update email from my company, letting us know how our emissions and resource usage are doing this week. It's become a habitual thing we check and monitor now held as vital to our CEO as our company's financial statements. I knew this company was doing well above the industry average when I chose to join, and I saw ratings from employees that had given the firm a five-leaf rating for putting sustainability at the heart of the business. It's how we choose who to work for nowadays. It took a few years, but data sure caught up with the biggest challenge facing humanity sustainability. We can now make the big and small decisions based on more than abstract guilt. Numbers, guidelines and allowances are finally on our side and it's given us the tools we need as citizens to push forward governments and corporations in the race to decarbonize. It's early January 2020 and myself and my co-founder have spent the last six months developing an app that will help people to understand and reduce emissions from travel. I'm about to enter the stage in Singapore to pitch our business publicly for the first time. A lot is at stake. Will people write off our business as a nice sounding idea or are they ready to take sustainability tech seriously? I hear my name, walk on stage in front of hundreds of people, their faces in the shadows of spotlights, and start my presentation. Josie, take it away. Last year, in a single month, over four million people left school and work to take part in the global climate strikes. Right now, atmospheric levels of CO2 are some of the highest they've been in human history and there is an undeniable sense of urgency to take action. Today, the sense of urgency to take action is still there, 
but the lack of data to help guide our actions remains too. And it's what motivates me to do this. Most of us want to be sustainable. We just don't know how. 95% of 1,000 surveyed US consumers think sustainability is a good goal, but don't know what to look for to help them spot a sustainable product. A recent Fast Company article explained that 74% of consumers in the survey who take time to read products' ingredients say they don't understand what those ingredients are. Without this understanding, they can't make environmentally sound choices in spite of their best intentions. Now this is a problem, because if consumers, employees or investors don't understand, companies aren't fully incentivized to put sustainability first. This is one of the reasons why a recent McKinsey report found that investors are calling for changes that executives and board members must actually understand, with 82% of investors agreeing that companies should be required by law to issue sustainability reports. But as usual, with problems come opportunities and myself and my colleagues are tackling this piece by piece. We began with a simple, free-to-use app to help individuals understand and reduce emission from travel choices. After inbound inquiries and months of research and interviews, we realized the huge opportunity in supporting organizations in mobilizing one of their greatest assets and sometimes greatest critics when it comes to sustainability, their employees. However, I am optimistic, and I will tell you why. My name is Josie Stoker. I'm an entrepreneur and co-founder of Capture, an app and platform dedicated to providing users with the data to make sustainable choices, from how you travel to who you work for. Right now, I'm speaking to you from my home in the countryside to the west of London in the UK. But I've always been fascinated by other parts of the world, Asia as a continent in particular. So on the evening of my graduation ceremony, I studied psychology in my undergraduate degree. I left the UK and moved to Malaysia. I loved it and luckily got the opportunity to stay in that part of the world to complete my Master's of Business Management in Singapore. After several years in Southeast Asia, a couple of years in Mongolia, the idea of making it easier for people to track and understand CO2 emissions and make sustainable choices became a passion of mine. I've seen firsthand the devastating effects of climate change on communities living close to nature and felt frustration at the often deliberate lack of data around the CO2 impact of our choices, whether that's who we vote for, bank with, work for, or what we buy. Today, I'm CEO of Capture, developing digital tools that allow people to learn more about climate change and make informed decisions when it comes to sustainability in their everyday life. And it all began with me arriving at a very unique and cold place called Ulaanbaatar. 
It is around minus 35 degrees Celsius when I get off the plane in Mongolia. Growing up in the UK, I don't think I've ever experienced less than minus six. I still remember my first icy breath of air, so cold it made me choke straight away, and how my hands went numb within seconds of coming out of my pockets. The culture, the people, the buildings, nature, it felt unlike anything I'd ever experienced before, and so different. Not Asia, not Russia, uniquely Mongolia. I'm here to work with an entrepreneur named Anthony Willoughby, helping him co-found a very different type of corporate training and team building company called the Nomadic School of Business. We'd help bring CEOs and senior leaders from the corporate world to come and learn from indigenous communities thriving in some of the harshest environments on the planet, including Mongolia, Kenya, and Indonesia. I have a huge amount of respect for the elders and families we worked with and spent time with, and incredible adventures along the way, visiting communities living with reindeer in Northern Mongolia, to Maasai families, to groups of people living in remote jungle, surrounded by villages that took days to reach. Their faces and stories haunt me. And that's because I came to learn with each visit and each conversation, how communities are being affected by climate change, from droughts, to wildfires, to freak sandstorms, to winters so cold that animals freeze standing up. For years, I brushed these concerns to the side, kept flying, kept working, kept organizing learning experiences, requiring people in some cases to arrive by private jet but there reached a point where I couldn't ignore the link between the absolute onslaught of relentless consumerism and the slow motion breakdown and suffering of cultures that had survived for thousands of years. Society was, and still is, designed to keep us in a loop of spending. It was in few corporations' interest to provide transparent information on the environmental impact of their products, the airline industry is a primary example of this. We might have a feeling that flights aren't great for the planet, but did you have any idea that one first-class ticket on a flight from New York to Beijing results in 15.6 square meters of Arctic ice melting? Putting these numbers together was the incredible work of a website called shameplane.com that helped me wake up to the fact that corporations aren't going to voluntarily share this information anytime soon. So there you go. Having seen the effects of climate change firsthand, I started where most people do, I think, with the question of, what can I do? And it was through asking this that I realised how little we know about the sustainability credentials of who we vote for, bank with, work for, and what we buy. When we go to the supermarket and pick up foods off the shelves, we have an idea of the sugar, salt and other aspects. At least we can make an informed decision about what we're purchasing. But when it comes to these products and sustainability, whether that's greenhouse gas emissions or water usage, there's so little information. And there is a massive opportunity in making this data more accessible. Not coming from a technical background and recognising the support I wanted, I joined an incubator programme called the Antler Programme, 
which helps people to meet a co-founder and creates the ideal conditions to launch a scalable business. And that's where I met my co-founder, Abdul Aziz. Aziz is from a software development background himself and has spent many years managing engineering teams and building apps and web apps for clients around the world. So from a skill matching perspective, we were great. But he's also become a good friend with a steady and calm personality that certainly helped to balance me out over the years through the massive ups and downs that come with startup life. Aziz and I started working together, looking at the issue whereby lots of people care about sustainability, but don't know what to do. We looked at how tools in the health space help people who wanted to become healthier. And we thought, well, why couldn't we create a tool with similar principles for those who want to become more sustainable? Around the middle of 2019, there weren't very many tools available to help individuals understand CO2 emissions. One of the easiest ways to put a tool in the hands of millions of people around the world is to create a mobile app. And that was where we started. There is a balance between convenience and accuracy when it comes to tracking emissions. For example, it's one thing to track the emissions of a car journey, but how many people shared the car? What was the fuel type? Or was it an electric or hybrid vehicle? If electric, was it powered by renewables? How old or efficient was the vehicle? Or was this an inner city or intercity journey? When designing a tool to track emissions, we wanted to start with something simple and something automated. It was late 2019 when we started looking at emission tracking and around that time, emissions from travel were a major component of emissions from an individual's life. So that was where we began. Aziz developed an algorithm that would look at how a user moved and then predict whether this journey was by car, bus, train, bicycle, etc. It was really cool. It meant that a user could have the app simply running in the background, capturing CO2 information from their daily journeys without a huge amount of effort on their side. We also spent a lot of time looking at the concept of guidance, ratings and information to help users know what's good or not so good when it comes to emissions. Now, this was incredibly complex, largely due to emission inequality. The huge disparity between the lifestyle emissions of those living in more developed countries versus lesser developed countries. The average carbon footprint of an American is around 16 tonnes, whereas the global average is around 5 tonnes. Remember, if you're earning over 7.000 US dollars a month, you are in the top 10% wealthiest bracket of people in the world. The average monthly wage of the lower 50% is $198 per month. And the differences in lifestyle emissions as a result of this is immense. We settled on helping a user calculate their baseline emissions from travel and food choices, which the app would also track, and then taking away 7.6%. Why 7.6%? That's the amount the UN Environment Programme explained we needed to reduce emissions by each year between 2020 
and 2030. So, with initial user testing and plenty of research under our belts, we launched the Capture app in early January 2020. It was always our mission to arm people with the data they craved around sustainability. We realized a powerful way to reach the masses was through organizations, helping companies to mobilize and engage their greatest ally, and sometimes critic, in sustainability. We spent a lot of 2020 heads down in development, and towards the end of last year, we launched our corporate service. Right now, this is a private, branded area for employees to join sustainability challenges and track CO2 saved. But it's our vision to complement this with digital learning, sustainable benefits, action portals, and most excitingly, the ability for employees to rate organisations based on how important sustainability is in practice, making up an important piece of the puzzle when helping others decide who to work for. My belief is that we are at the beginning of a major turning point. We're emerging from the fossil ages and entering a sustainability renaissance period. The data is out there to empower us to make the sustainable choices the quiet majority of us already want to make. It's just a case of playing catch up. Through our work with the app, we've seen tens of thousands of people come forward seeking data to help them make more sustainable choices. We've got so much more work to do to expand our services, helping bring sustainability data to more people around the world, whether that's huge groups of employees or just a friend wondering the difference between a car journey and a bus ride. It's incredibly inspiring and satisfying to see large numbers of individuals seeking the information they deserve to enable them to live a more sustainable life. Hope is an incredibly powerful emotion and we're catching glimpses of it now in our fight for a habitable planet for generations to come. I said I was optimistic, and now you know why. You listen to The Oracle, a podcast produced by Munk Studios in collaboration with IKEA for the International City Expo Age 22 in Helsingborg, Sweden, 2022. More details and all the episodes are found at age22.ikea.com.